Hello everyone, Fabian Alefeld here, leader of the Additive Minds Consulting and Academy teams at EOS in North America, and host of Additive Snack, the ongoing podcast dedicated to exploring, educating, and supporting your journey through the ever-changing and fascinating world of additive manufacturing. Today, we have a must-hear episode for those additive manufacturing entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and existing manufacturers around the globe. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, Arno Held, Managing Director at AM Ventures. AM Ventures is an independent VC firm operating with the sole intention of supporting additive manufacturing startups around the globe. And as you'll hear, that's not an overstatement. Arno is an inspiring figure in the field who has played every single role within his organization, growing it from a two-person beginning to now, a team that is investing all over the planet in helping make innovations in the field of additive manufacturing possible. We'll discuss some of the most exciting trends and industry insights he and AM Ventures have identified in recent years. No industry is left untouched by the transformation in additive manufacturing. Arno touches on the necessary innovations in technology, materials, applications, and software essentials for success. We'll also get a glimpse into his thoughts regarding post-processing and post-build automation opportunities, along with a bit of misbusting along the way. And now, speaking of inspiration, let's jump right in with Arno Held. Arno, it's a pleasure having you on Additive Snack. Thank you for joining me today. The pleasure is all mine, Fabian. Thanks a lot for having me. So let's let's jump right in. Let's talk about you and AM Ventures. What do you do as as managing partner, and what is the mission of AM Ventures? Hmm. What do I do as managing partner at AM Ventures? Uh, pretty much um, everything, or at least at some point in time, I once did every single role um, because we started as a team of two seven years ago, Johan Oberhofer and myself. And um, today I run the team. I run a team of uh, 10 people doing investments all over the planet in uh, every single continent. Today we're invested in six countries. Um, and uh, yeah, my, my main role is to, to grow the organization, to grow our footprint and our ecosystem. And that's actually also a big part of, of AIM Ventures' role or mission. We want to support industrial additive manufacturing startups all around the world. That is a great role to have in the market. And uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you've you've done that for seven years now. And I've known you uh, for six out of those seven years. And uh, yeah, I know that you've talked to many, I think, hundreds of startups over the course of those seven years. What are the most exciting trends amongst these organizations that you've seen and uh, that you also believe will be of interest over the course of the next few years? Yeah, um, you're right, Fabian. I, I also think I have the best job in the industry. I, still today, <laughs> I, I love my job. I love getting to the office every single morning and looking what has happened overnight and, and what's new um, in, in our industry. Um, you know, we, we can't forget this, this industry is extremely young. When you look at other manufacturing technologies like casting that was developed a couple of thousand years ago. Yeah, exactly. um, even milling is a couple of hundred years old and 3D printing was born in the 80s in Austin, Texas, um, was where, where the first patents were filed for, for this technology. So um, this is, of course, um, um, still immature. 
uh, or a sign of immaturity. We still have a long way to go, but that's exactly what, what makes it so exciting for me because it means there's still a lot of innovation happening every single day. And um, it's really exciting to, to be part of this innovation, actually, and also to, to be among the guys who can decide who we are supporting every day with the money that uh, is coming from our fund. And um, when I look at the, the, the most exciting trends and, uh, and changes that have happened over the, over the past quarters and years, for me, the most exciting thing that is happening actually only since about a year or so is the fact that now the majority of the startups that are founded on a daily basis or, or, or monthly is based on applications. So 3D printed products. And this yeah. is a very, very new trend because until a couple of years ago, most of the startups that we scouted for were new hardware concepts and new materials, um, which is certainly what the industry needs. But it also showed us that people still did not really know what to do with the technology. It was not mm -hmm. available in a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of state that everyone could develop products based on it. But this has changed and this is happening now. Last year, AM Ventures scouted more than 800 startups and more than 50% of these were applications. That's and incredible. for me, this is a very clear trend, uh, a, a clear sign that, that we have achieved a certain level of maturity. Now there are companies founded based on a 3D printed product that is going to be mass manufactured. And that's extremely exciting. That's a super exciting trend. And if you think about it, you know, if we look back just a few years, the only organizations that brought out and released additively manufactured products were billion dollar organizations. They were the big guys that had the investment, that had the long breath that you needed in order to get into additive manufacturing. And now, as you mentioned, those small startups are, are popping up with cool ideas and, uh, and don't need that much funding in order to make them a reality. Can you talk a bit about what types of applications uh, you've seen that startups are trying to push into the market? Yeah, absolutely. These, in my opinion, these ap applications are extremely exciting because they are they are changing the world. That that's another great trend um, to speak about because what we have realized over the last couple of months is that many of the applications that are being developed and released to the public now are applications that are supporting the fight against climate change hmm. and um, um this is this is a this is a very great sign for all of us and especially for our industry we we are realizing that the the fight for the planet can only be won by using additive manufacturing as a as a manufacturing technology because we are enabling new kind of products and these products are heat exchangers for example mm -hmm. um it's 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 not something that is so well known in the public and it, it, it a heat exchanger is not something that everyone can grasp immediately but if you think that um uh, a car today has more than a dozen heat exchangers integrated um or oil and gas processing the efficiency of oil and gas proce uh, processing depends heavily on the efficiency of heat exchangers or um even more exciting in terms of volumes Every single mobile phone has a heat exchanger integrated. Every sure. single laptop has a heat exchanger, one on the CPU and one on the GPU. So imagine the numbers that are um, that are out there 
and everything, all, all of these applications can be optimized and improved with the complex geometries that additive manufacturing can, can produce. And this is just one domain, um, heat exchanger um, development and, and design. Um, another one of my favorites right now is electric motors. Um, mm -hmm. And that's certainly also a company worth mentioning. It's Additive Drives um, yeah. from Germany, a very young um, team of great engineers that has developed uh, a special design of a, a stator for an electric motor. And um, this, again, enables the users of this technology to dramatically reduce the volume and the weight and therefore also the required resources like, like copper, for example, um, so that the, uh, an electric motor of the future is much lighter and much more compact, and which again means that a car of the future using this technology can drive much further with the same battery charge, for example. And this is, this is what excites me extremely. Yeah, super exciting applications. I mean, if you think about additive drives as an example, it can really open up the market of electric vehicles to an even larger target group than current technologies are offering, right? I mean, uh, range still is uh, somewhat a limiting factor to a lot of organizations, especially also if we talk about more commercial applications of, uh, of, of electric vehicles. Um, here, additive manufacturing and uh, these additively manufactured electric engines can definitely have a huge impact on the market. And yeah, thermal management, as you managed, as you mentioned, um, we see also a lot of organizations uh, out there, not only startups applying additive manufacturing for heat exchangers. And I think the examples you mentioned are, are perfect, right? Uh, one thing to add to that as well is server, server racks, right? Every server rack has uh, a lot of uh, thermal management uh, built in and in the end, the the energy that is created with uh, within within a uh, within a server room is uh, a big portion of the energy consumption of uh, of these uh, server farms. And reducing that can definitely uh, have a very positive impact on 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 carbon footprint, but also in the end, then allow the manufacturers of these servers to increase the computing power, which then in the end can also have a positive impact on additive manufacturing again. So we are getting into a positive cycle of using additive manufacturing for uh, for climate change. So great examples, Arno. Let's talk about some some other <clears throat> trends. I mean, applications are 50% of the of the startups that you scout. What about some other trends? Are there uh, is there anything else that could be interesting to our users out there uh, that can impact uh, the engineers and the the leadership out there that is using additive manufacturing? They're looking for some tools startups and technologies that could even advance their adoption of, of AM. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, when you look at the past years, um, there was always a big discussion at, uh, around the different technological principles that are out there. You know, was FDM versus powder bed versus resin-based kind of technologies. And for a long term, uh, for a long time, it looked like powder bed, powder-based technologies are going to make the race. These, this, this seemed to be like the, 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 the dominant design, the winning design um, for all coming um, industrial applications. Um, what we've seen in the past couple of years were extremely exciting companies like Cubicure from Vienna, for example, who have developed a new um, highly viscous resin 
or a, a hot lithography process which enables the use of highly viscous resins, which unlocks a completely new group of applications and, and a group of, of materials. So it looks like um, lithography-based technologies are experiencing something like a renaissance um, mm -hmm. right now, which, which mm -hmm. is extremely exciting um, to us as a team. And um, yeah, Johann totally. Oberhofer, um, particularly um, my my other managing partner, he's he he was he's one of the industry veterans. Um, he was one of the first employees of EOS, and he developed lithography technology himself. And to to hear him talking about the the renaissance of lithography based technologies and seeing how how he gets excited about this, this is um, um, something really big. Yeah, what what type of applications does that unlock? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, silicone is one uh, material that would be uh, principal with that type of uh, technology. Well, the um, uh, the silicone processing um, that Spectroplast has developed is also based on DLP uh, technology. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, but when I look at these these new class of high performance resins. Um, it's um, clearly pointing in the direction of, um, for example, dental applications. You know, dental mm -hmm. liners uh, can uh, finally be printed directly um, instead of going through a tooling process, mm -hmm. um, which is extremely exciting. And um, other high temperature and um, let's say high strength kind of applications in the in the polymer range. Uh, polymer range. Okay, very interesting. What about what about uh, other materials that can also be applied to to existing out of manufacturing technologies any advancements there oh yes mm, absolutely one one of my favorites uh, right now because we uh, just uh, closed the the deal with this uh, great team also uh, a company from germany had made materials that got mm -hmm. us extremely excited last year as well um mainly um i don't know If, if anyone has heard about Headmade materials of uh, the, the audience here, yeah, Headmade has developed a special, a special material production process which allows uh, metal parts to be built in a polymer machine. So take a, a, a powder-based, laser-based polymer machine of any vendor um, out there. Headmade materials can provide a polymer coated metal powder that can be printed um, so a green part can be produced in a, in a standard SLS uh, technology machine and um, uh, then apply the heat treatment process to, to produce uh, a final part out of a green part. And um, the unique thing about this technology is that it produces extremely stable green parts with an extremely nice surface. So you can transport green parts around the world. You can automate the process very, very nicely. And what you get out of this is a, a highly exciting um, metal part with superior surface finish and, and detail resolution. And this is very, very impressive because there are so many polymer machines already out there and polymer uh, processing machines, of course, are much, much more affordable than the, the big metal processing machines. Yeah, and it, it increases the accessibility to a, a metal 3D printing process for, yes, for serial production, but even for prototyping, right? Where uh, still additive manufacturing has a huge impact. Um, but uh, yeah, I could definitely see that uh, having a, 
a very positive impact on the on the whole additive manufacturing industry by reducing capex investments and opening up again the market for for new and lower cost applications also in the in the space of serial manufacturing yeah absolutely i mean think about um the possibility to produce metal parts in a Sintratech desktop SLS system that costs something in the low to mid five-digit range. This is a revolution. This is this is something really, really great. Yeah, that's super exciting. Super exciting. And now the last piece of, of, of technology we need to touch base on is, is software. Software has such a big impact on additive manufacturing. Uh, additive manufacturing is a digital manufacturing process, as, as we all know. And I'm sure that there's a lot of interesting startups out there that are pushing the limits and advancing additive manufacturing, even with current equipment. What are what types of trends do you see here? And uh, can you touch base on a few highlights that you've seen over the past uh, few months and years? Yeah, of course. Um, there, this this world is extremely dynamic. I mean, um, it seems like like finally it's happening that we have software out there which is utilizing the freedom of design that our technology enables, you know, growing apart um, is um, is something extremely exciting. You can do lots of very, very cool things with the technology if it's applied in the right way. Um, until a couple of years ago, we were in a situation where the digital workflow was still kind of old school and so well, the, um, the, the designs that came out of it, there was still a lot of um, copying old-fashioned design and trying to 3D print it uh, somehow. Yep. And now suddenly you have companies out there who are producing or, or developing an entirely new way to design products, um, organic shapes and, and, and parts that have really grown. So the, the software is growing these parts mm-hmm. and uh, generates a, a new generation of uh, rocket thrusters and and all kinds of um, um, devices where liquids can flow in a much more efficient and entirely different way than um, than before so and the integration into existing uh, workflows is um, finally becoming much much smoother but the new ways to design new parts um, for sure um, hypergenic like uh, Lynn Kaiser's uh, company should be mentioned here um, very prominently, this is extremely exciting to see um, companies finally utilizing the real potential of this great technology that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And we actually had Lynn Kaiser on the podcast uh, just uh, just in the past episode. And I think what's what's super interesting is that not only is the technology that he built super powerful, but if we think about the the one of the current limiting factors of additive manufacturing is the human is the human because we are limited in the way that we can even imagine and and design certain applications for additive manufacturing. And where current uh, CAD systems are, well, computer-aided design, right? The computer helps us to kind of bring to paper what we're imagining. Now, all of a sudden, we have software products that even enhance our creativity, that uh, are part of the creative process towards design. And I think that's a super interesting and unique approach that we have never seen in the past um, before. You're absolutely right, Fabian. This is uh, this is a new step in, in this game. It's a completely new level we're at. It brings its own new challenges. 
because you are suddenly adding another degree of, of complexity in terms of responsibility for the end part. Um, this is this is a challenge that we see at the moment, um, but the possibilities that we see are are endless. This is it's very exciting. Yeah, for sure. And I think another very big impact field that has been overlooked in the in the past, but we definitely see some 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 very interesting innovation coming up is is the process steps that come after or around additive manufacturing, right? Talking about post-processing, talking about automating certain manual labor steps in the additive manufacturing technology that are still not holding the technology back, but still can be improved. Any interesting technologies that you've seen so far that could really have a positive impact on advancing additive manufacturing and, and maturing it even further? Yes, uh, quite a few actually. Um, there are companies out there which help us to turn this technology into an automatable advanced manufacturing um, technology. I mean, so far the challenge has been that the big pieces of hardware that were or still are out there are very clearly and obviously designed for prototyping. Mm -hmm. So producing one batch, um, finalizing one tray of, of powder and then waiting for this tray to cool down inside the machine. You take the tray out, you sort the parts and in the tray there are hundreds of completely different uh, parts which you have to sort manually and um, clean by hand. The, 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 the process that comes after the 3D printing uh, process is, is very labor intensive. Um, and and is has not been designed for mass manufacturing from the ground up, and um, I get the feeling that that at least the pieces of hardware that are in development right now and will be um, uh, introduced to to the public in at the coming shows are now changing. They are made for the applications that have recently been discovered. You know, this is also the challenge. So why why would you need a, a mass manufacturing system if there are no applications out there for mass production? So um, that this had to this had to change, right? So the applications first had to be developed, and now we can develop the machines accordingly. So this is this is this is happening as we speak, and this also generates uh, companies that are now finally developing new quality assurance tools like um, yeah additive assurance from from Australia can be mentioned here um, uh, uh, a great company that is developing a device that you install in front of a um, uh, a powder based or, or metal based um, um, hardware device and it um, monitors it records your uh, powder bed uh, printing process mm -hmm. and uh, has the potential to, to generate a digital twin and make sure that everything has been observed during the build process. And they can do a lot of interesting things with um, data that they are generating over the build. And this is going to help the industry quite a bit, I would say. So this is extremely exciting. Super exciting. And I mean, it's it's such a boring part of additive manufacturing quality assurance, but such a important part of additive manufacturing and bring it into, especially into regulated industries where a lot of organizations still struggle to get parts uh, certified for, for flight or uh, certified for use in human bodies. Uh, and I think that 
those types of technologies can hopefully also reduce the entry barrier for not only startups, but also for uh, for larger organizations that are still hesitant to adopt additive manufacturing for these types of uh, applications. One thing I, I want to uh, ask you about, because I think it's important to also touch base on, is uh, what if I'm now out there and I have a great idea? I have a great idea, either I'm part of an organization and we're talking about intrapreneurship, uh, so starting a small team or even a a uh, yeah a smart new new organization around a additive manufacturing application software even some post processing equipment as we just mentioned, um, or I want to start my own company because I have a great idea that could advance additive manufacturing or even an application that I think has a unique market. How can I get into additive manufacturing through an entrepreneurial intrapreneurial route? Good question. I mean, we do, we do have a couple of observations um, that we've made over the past uh, years, which uh, allow us some recommendation to creative people and entrepreneurial people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, our One of our biggest observations of, of, of the past years is that there are two different types of companies or, or uh, pitches that, that uh, are presented to inventors. Mm-hmm. One is... Um, a group of industry experts or experienced, let's say, veterans um, who have realized a real need, who have realized a problem and they have developed a solution for this problem. And they are um, building a business on this and using their skills that they've built up over a couple of years. And um, these guys, of course, that's fairly or relatively easy to to find the funds from from any VC out there because um, these people have sort of attraction and and the market competence and um, can build compelling business cases. The other um, uh, group of of people that approaches us is, um, let's say, younger teams, uh, mostly from university or young entrepreneurs who have the desire to start a company but um, have not had the right idea yet because they they haven't been exposed to the industry or the technology too deeply. So mo- in most cases, these pitches are based on hope um, that this problem does exist. And um, sometimes, of course, there are, there are brilliant people out there um, who, who develop business ideas at universities. Um, the pitches, however, clearly show that um, most most of their argumentation is there to um, um, verify hope and to um, to to find reasoning um, or to convince themselves that something does exist. So, my first piece of advice is always find a real problem, find a problem that does exist and where companies are willing to pay money for it to be solved. This is very important. Sometimes people just offer products where no one wants to offer, uh, to, to pay money for. Um, so in the end, um, I love social businesses. I, I, I love any kind of impact uh, businesses that are set up, but a company is there to make more money than it spends. And this is the most important principle that everyone needs to understand and needs to apply in order to build a business case. Um, an interesting piece of learning that we've had over the years is that um, 
accelerators and incubators are not as useful as they claim to be. Okay. Um, so, um, and that that doesn't only apply to uh, to our industry. Um, that applies to um, pretty much all industries um, out there. There are there are great accelerators and incubators around the world. Um, of course, at the, the 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 typical locations at the east coast, the west coast, in 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 Munich, um, and Vienna, and and Zurich, for example, which of course are an exception to this because they they generate masses of startups and they have a fantastic ecosystem that can support um, these kind of companies. Um, but um, especially if you're looking at very narrowly focused um, incubators out there it's very difficult for them to really um, um, provide the specific support that um, startups need beyond the first couple of months. Um, this is uh, this was a, a learning from us over, over the past years, which was also quite a surprise to us. Um, it's still a good way to get uh, uh, um, space for an overseeable amount of money, um, um, but don't expect too much. Um, as a as a young founder, um, so um, these are these are the most important learnings um, I would say that 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 uh, come to my mind right now. But um, in the end, um, if you have a team of founders around you who you trust, um, who you are uh, willing to go through some really 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 tough times, because entrepreneurship is extremely hard. It's extremely hard, and you have to have the best people around you that you trust blindly. This is the most important thing. The team is everything. Um, if you have this team around you and uh, you have a case where you can make more money than you are spending and uh, can also grow a company to a substantial um, volume and size, um, I think there's uh, nothing stands in the way of giving AIM Ventures a call <laughs> and, and uh, offering a pitch. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that those are those are some great great messages and some great advice. Um, if I if I if I may want to summarize it, find a market, find a business case with an actual need in that market, and get a great team. And I think that accounts for startups, but also accounts for intrapreneurs or teams or people who are trying to get an application off the ground with additive manufacturing within their company. Uh, the only difference is it's more exhausting to be an entrepreneur, as I understand correctly now from you, Arno, than to be an intrapreneur. But uh, also the, the the end benefits can be greater. And uh, yeah, I think this is some great advice to end this, to end this episode. If we think about everything that we discussed today, then to me, startups are shaping the additive manufacturing industry more than we give them credit for. They advance current technologies they create new technologies that we can build upon and can unlock and leverage new application fields. And lastly, but not least, they are now, as we said, creating new competitors to existing leaders in the market. We're having startups who are pushing into the market with applications, not only with new AM technologies and software, but actual applications, most likely also with a more lean and lower cost team and organizational setup than the big guys out there. So to me, that means as a ending message, 
if you're out there and you're part of a large organization and you don't see a lot of competition right now pushing into the of manufacturing technology, look again. There may be a startup out there that is trying to disrupt you. So get your hands dirty, get into additive manufacturing and follow the steps that Arno just mentioned. Find a market, get your business case, form your team and get going. Arno, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me today here on Additive Snack. It was a pleasure having you on the show. And thank you for sharing all of your insights, your experience, and your tips and tricks with uh, our audience. Thank you for having me, Fabian. It was great fun. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Arno, for a thought-provoking discussion. We're still a young industry that can literally change overnight. And the emphasis on application-based startups, this alone is an indicator that the world is changing. There's a need for new thinking, new ideas, and new approaches for solving both industrial and major global issues. We're now witnessing a positive cycle for applying additive manufacturing in battling the climate crisis. Today, Arno helped us to understand you no longer have to be a billion-dollar behemoth to enter and impact the additive manufacturing field. And in fact, startups around the globe are already making a difference. Consider electric motors. Companies like Additive Drive, who is leading the way in developing the much lighter and more complex EV motor of the future. Headmade Materials, who are revolutionizing the 3D printing and powder metallurgy game. Or Hyperganic, helping to finally realize the potential of these technologies in algorithmic engineering. Startups are shaping the industry more than they get credit for. If you're doubting that, I urge you to take a deeper look. And if you're interested in jumping into the startup world or simply enhancing your current approach by becoming an entrepreneur, follow Arno's advice. Find a market, discover a business case, surround yourself with a great team, and change the world. What are some applications you'd like to see? Drop us a line at additive.snack at eos-na.com and share your thoughts. Thank you for joining me. I am Fabian Alefeld, and I'll see you next time in Additive Snack.